And I'm curious how you get ready for Christmas. Now, I'm not talking about when you do your shopping or baking or decorating your house or sending Christmas cards or going to parties and that sort of thing. I'm really talking about how you prepare your heart for Christmas. You're listening to the Bible Speaks to You podcast. This is episode 166. Today's topic is getting ready for Christmas with the Sermon on the Mount. You're listening to the Bible Speaks to You podcast. I'm James Early, your host, and this is the place to be to rediscover the original Christianity of Jesus. Each week, we talk about how Jesus wanted us to think and act and pray and live our daily lives. And we dig down into the mindset of Jesus to discover how we can think and act like he did. The goal is to experience more of Jesus' promise that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Hey there, and welcome again to the Bible Speaks to You podcast. I am so grateful that you've tuned in today. And as you're listening, I hope you'll think of someone that you can share this episode with. Christmas is right around the corner. It's less than two weeks away as I'm recording this. And I'm curious how you get ready for Christmas. Now, I'm not talking about when you do your shopping or baking or decorating your house or sending Christmas cards or going to parties and that sort of thing. I'm really talking about how you prepare your heart for Christmas. What are you doing in your spiritual life that makes you ready to receive more of Christ's appearing? Many Christians across many different denominations celebrate the season of Advent, which begins with the fourth Sunday before Christmas, at least in the Western Church. It's seen as a time of prayer, meditation, and sometimes repentance and fasting to prepare spiritually for the coming of Christ. Our word Advent comes from the Latin word adventus, which means arrival or coming. Now, what most people don't know is that the origins of Advent are a bit uncertain. It probably started sometime after the 4th century, according to the Catholic Encyclopedia. And it evolved over the centuries into what it is today. And by the way, the Eastern Orthodox Church has a bit different approach than Western Christianity. So, as you probably know, there's actually no mention of Advent in the Bible or any kind of instruction to prepare for the birth of Jesus in what has become the tradition we call Advent. And just to be completely transparent here, I don't personally observe Advent in some liturgical way, but I totally see the value of taking some time, days and weeks even, to meditate and pray in order to be more receptive to the coming of Christ, which is symbolized by Christmas each year. So I've been thinking about how to get ready for Christmas in this spiritual way. Our family is not really doing anything elaborate this year. Some years there have been lots of festivities and parties and lots of family members, but things will be kind of quiet and low-key this year for us, and I'm kind of looking forward to that. 
Now, I just want to say here, there is no one right way to celebrate Christmas. You might be all by yourself or just a couple of people, or you may have a house full of 20 or 30 that you're cooking dinner for. What's important is keeping the spiritual perspective of what Christmas is all about. Over the years, whether I've had a busy Christmas season full of activities or a quiet time like it will be this year, I've always felt the need to get ready spiritually to be more receptive to the true meaning of Christmas. As I was praying about how to approach this special season, the idea came to me to look at Christmas through the lens of the Sermon on the Mount. Now, I usually focus on the nativity stories in the Bible to celebrate Christmas, and I look at the Old Testament prophecies of the birth of Jesus, and I'm just amazed at how they're fulfilled in those early chapters of Matthew and Luke. So the idea to think about the Sermon on the Mount in relationship to Christmas is a totally new idea for me. But the more I think about it, and I've been reading through the Sermon on the Mount in thinking about Christmas, all of a sudden I see Jesus' teachings in a whole new light. It gives so much more insight into his purpose and why he was here on earth. Now, I'm going to share a few of these ideas with you, but as you may have already guessed, I'm going to invite you to read the whole Sermon on the Mount for yourself and see how it brings more of the light of Christmas to you. Let's start with Matthew 5, 9. This is one of the Beatitudes. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Jesus is often referred to, especially at Christmas, as the Prince of Peace. When you act as a peacemaker, and there's often a lot of peacemaking needed in families at Christmas time, you're making room for Christ to be born in your heart and the hearts of everyone you come in contact with. Look at Matthew 6, 1. Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds, the King James calls it giving alms, before men to be seen by them, otherwise you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Think of how this relates to Christmas. God didn't give his most precious gift, his charitable deed, you could say, his Son, Christ, so everyone would see it and be impressed. Jesus came very privately in a stable, away from the crowds, away from anybody that noticed, in a little town. Along with Joseph and Mary, God only invited a few blessed are the meek shepherds and three hungry and thirsty for righteousness kings to the party. When you do your deeds of mercy and charitable giving in private, Jesus says God will reward you openly. And every time you give in this way, you're inviting the Christ to be born in your heart. In Matthew 5:44, Jesus said, Love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be the sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes his Son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Again, think of how this relates to Christmas. In the birth of Jesus, God is showing love for those who ever have and ever will think that they hate God. 
God sends his rain, shines his sun, and gives his love through Jesus to the just and the unjust alike. Jesus was for the benefit and salvation of everyone on earth, past, present, and future, even for the people who seem to be God's enemies. I can't help but wonder if Jesus might have thought of himself in this context of God expressing love to everyone, even those who could be considered God's enemies. He came for the salvation of all mankind. When you love your enemies, once more you're making room for Jesus to be born in your heart. And it just might make a little room in the inn in someone else's heart as well. Now let's look at the Lord's Prayer in light of what it has to do with Christmas. I've never thought about this before, and the more I thought about the Lord's Prayer this way, I just saw all kinds of things I never had seen before. When Jesus told us to start this prayer with, Our Father, which art in heaven, he knew what he was talking about. God was truly his only Father. I mean, think of the virgin birth. Jesus was so conscious of this relationship and his origin story. And now he's including us in that as well. He says we all have the same Father, the same source or creator that he does. I think part of the Christmas message is that God is the only creator, the Father of all of us, including the whole universe. Jesus even said, Call no man on earth your father, for one is your father in heaven. That's Matthew 23, 9. In a degree, then, Jesus' origin story is ours as well. As we see more clearly that our only source, our only true father, is God, we are reborn, born again, born spiritually, however you want to say it. And the Spirit of Christ appears and fills our lives. Let's look at the next line in the Lord's Prayer. Hallowed be thy name. Well, if anyone ever exemplified the holiness of God's name, God's true nature, it was Jesus. I think that means that Christmas is also about bearing witness to God's nature, which Jesus fully embodied and expressed. So every time you express God's holy nature, you are celebrating the birth or the appearance of Christ. Thy kingdom come. This was actually the principal message of Jesus. First, not just chronologically, since that's how he started his ministry, proclaiming that the kingdom of heaven is at hand, but also first in priority. It was the most important aspect of what Jesus came to reveal to us that God's kingdom has come. When you bear witness to God's kingdom at hand, you are celebrating the true meaning of Christmas. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Throughout Jesus' ministry, he made it clear that he did not come to do his own will, but the will of the Father. Everything Jesus did, everything he said and taught, every act of compassion, healing, and forgiveness were God's will in heaven being made manifest here on earth. So when you do God's will, guess what? You're actually observing the true spirit of Christmas. Give us this day our daily bread. Jesus encouraged us to pray for our daily bread, but don't you think he had a deeper meaning in mind than just that stuff we put on the table and make sandwiches out of? Jesus referred to himself as the bread of life. That's John 6, 48. 
Wasn't he encouraging us to turn to God for our daily portion of this bread of life as well? Think of a time when you've eaten this bread of life. Maybe it was only a crumb of Christ-like inspiration, or maybe it was a full loaf or multiple loaves of spiritual bread, an overwhelming outpouring from God of Christ's nature and presence in your life. Any time you partake of the bread of life, you are experiencing Christmas, the appearing of Christ to the world. Now let's look at the line, Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. One of the most wonderful aspects of Jesus' purpose on earth was for all mankind to experience God's forgiveness. Jesus' birth marks the appearance of this forgiveness for all mankind. Yes, God's forgiveness is mentioned often in the Old Testament, but Jesus brought the universality and availability of God's forgiveness to everyone. But Jesus says we can't experience God's forgiveness unless we forgive others. Have you ever considered that every time you forgive someone, you are celebrating the birth of Jesus, the appearance of God's gift of forgiveness to the whole world? Here again, that's the spirit of Christmas. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, or the evil one, it says in the original Greek. Okay, now you may be wondering, hey James, what on earth does this have to do with Christmas? Well, who overcame temptation better than anyone else? Of course, it's Jesus. This is what the writer of Hebrews says. This is Hebrews 4.15. He says that Jesus was tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Jesus has revealed our relationship with God, our Father, which in turn empowers us to not give in to temptation. And Jesus makes it clear that it's God, our Father, who delivers us from all evil. That means that every time you resist temptation, every time you experience God delivering you from evil, you're bearing witness to and honoring the birth of Jesus, the appearance of Christ in your life and in the world. Again, this is what Christmas is all about. And of course, there's the final line, For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. This last line of the Lord's Prayer is basically a summary of God's nature and ownership of all creation. It also sums up what Jesus said about God throughout his ministry. Jesus was always referring to God's kingdom, and he didn't claim any of his own personal power when he helped people and he made it clear that he did all for God's glory, not his own. The kingdom and the power and the glory, it all belonged to God. When you put God's kingdom of heaven first in your life and live out from this heavenly realm here on earth, when you realize all the power you have originates in God and not yourself, when you do all the amazing things you do but give God the glory instead of yourself, you're not just following Jesus' example, you're allowing the Christ to be born in your heart and in your life. You're celebrating Christmas at a very deep spiritual level. Now we're going to look at just a few more passages in the Sermon on the Mount and how they give an insight into the real meaning of Christmas, but I encourage you between now and Christmas to read the entire sermon 
That's Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. Let's look at these verses from Matthew 6, 19-21. Jesus says, Don't store up treasures here on earth, where moths eat them and rust destroys them, and where thieves break through and steal. Store your treasures in heaven, where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Think for a minute how these three verses can influence what kind of Christmas presents you give or want to receive this year. Do you just want a bunch of material gifts? Do you think you need to give a bunch of expensive material presents because that's what's expected? Or maybe you think it will show someone how much you love them. Maybe we could paraphrase this passage to say something like, Don't just give earthly material gifts that will break or wear out and eventually be worthless or that someone might steal, but give spiritual gifts of love, forgiveness, kindness, helpfulness, that will never rust or fall apart and no one can ever steal them. Whatever your perception of Christmas is, that's what your heart will focus on. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that you shouldn't give gifts to anyone. I just want to encourage you to think about how you can bring a more spiritual approach to gift-giving this year. Now let's look at Matthew 6, 25-33. Jesus says, That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food or drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add one single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon, in all his glory, was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, He will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things, saying, What will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and He will give you everything you need. Can you see how this passage could apply to Christmas and all the things we worry about in getting ready for Christmas? Jesus is telling the folks who were listening to Him preach that day almost 2,000 years ago, as well as you and me, that we need to get our priorities straight. We need to quit worrying and put God first. We need to seek God's kingdom. We need to seek God's righteousness. Then we'll have everything we need. Not necessarily everything we want, but everything God wants us to have. Have you ever known someone who worried and fretted about all the plans and preparations they have to think about at Christmas, and then they worry all over again while they're trying to get everything done? Or maybe you have been that someone. Sometimes we get so caught up in all the busyness of the season and lose track of the real meaning and spirit of Christmas. 
I encourage you to think about this specific passage and consider how it can help you celebrate Christmas in a more meaningful way. Jesus encouraged us to put God first and prioritize seeking God's kingdom. Every time you do this and put God first and seek his kingdom, you are ushering in the coming of Christ. You are celebrating Christmas, regardless of what time of year it is. Now, I'm going to share just one more simple little idea. This is from Matthew 7, 1. Do not judge others, and you will not be judged. Can you see how this applies to Christmas? How often do we judge people and things at Christmas time? We make comparisons about who has the best holiday decorations, gives the best parties, gives the best or worst presents. The list goes on and on. But Jesus said very simply, do not judge others. This is good advice all year, but especially at Christmas. Think how the man who let Mary and Joseph stay in his stable might have judged them. At best, he felt sympathy for them, but he probably judged them to be just two more in a crowd of hundreds who were looking for a place to stay. I'm sure he didn't have any idea who they really were and what would take place in his stable. This Christmas, don't be so quick to judge someone from just the external appearances and circumstances. Ask God to open your eyes to see more of the Christ appearing in everyone you meet. Yes, Jesus was born 2,000 years ago in Bethlehem, and that event will never be repeated. But the spirit of that birth takes place over and over throughout the centuries. Don't miss it because you're just looking on the surface of things. Now, as I said a little earlier, I really encourage you to read the entire Sermon on the Mount to see how each verse and section can give you new insights and help you celebrate Christmas in a more meaningful way. Think with me for just a minute what it was like when Joseph set the newborn Jesus in the manger. What a tender moment. Think of the stillness and the peace there in the stable before the shepherds showed up. Mary and Joseph needed that time to ponder what had just happened. They knew this tiny baby was the Messiah who was born for the salvation of all mankind and they never could have imagined how that purpose would unfold. When I look in the Bible at Jesus' birth and the events that led up to it, I don't really see anyone doing anything to prepare for it, other than Mary and Joseph making plans and doing the best they could, under the circumstances, to have a place to stay in Bethlehem. All the preparation for Jesus' birth was done by God, who had been planning for centuries getting people ready to open their hearts and minds to the coming of the Messiah. He gave the prophets glimpses of how Christ would come, and he orchestrated events to fulfill those prophecies, on the most part without anyone really knowing what was going on. Zacharias and Elizabeth, along with Joseph and Mary, got some advance notification, you could say, of what was about to happen because they were part of the plan. They were participants in the coming of Christ and kind of needed to know what was going on. What I'm getting at here is that we may think that we are preparing our hearts for Christmas, the birth of Jesus, the appearing of Christ. But what's really happening is God is the one preparing us. God stirs within our hearts the desire and the ability 
to be ready to receive and accept Christ. One of the best ways to celebrate Christmas, to receive Christ and more of His appearing, is to put Jesus' teachings into practice in your daily life. As you do this, you build your life on a firm foundation. And you're not just walking with Jesus, but in effect, you are giving birth to Christ in your heart every day. Thank you so much for listening. If you know someone who would enjoy this message, please share it with them. And if you have any questions or comments about today's episode or anything in the Bible, please reach out to me. The best way to contact me is on my website, thebiblespeakstoyou.com, and just click on the Contact tab in the menu bar. If you're new to the Bible Speaks to You podcast and haven't subscribed yet, I encourage you to do so. Go to the website, thebiblespeakstoyou.com, and click on the Subscribe tab in the menu bar. Fill out the form, and you're all set. When you sign up, I'll send you a prayer guide I put together called Praying with the Mindset of Jesus. It's my little way of saying thanks for being so supportive. And if you're new to the show, I encourage you to go back and check out some of the previous episodes. You might find something you'd like to listen to. As always, all the Bible quotes in today's episode will be in the show notes on the website. Just go to thebiblespeakstoyou.com forward slash 166. This is episode 166. And if you're listening on a podcast app, you'll find the link for that in the description. Thanks again for being here and listening today and for all the ways that you have been supportive of the podcast. That's it for this week. I'm James Early with the Bible Speaks to You podcast. Have a great week. Take care and we'll see you next time. God bless.